0: is the word of the Lord well not long ago I got an inquiry about baptism from a young family they weren't regularly at church uh, and this happens for to me uh, from time to time I get these inquiries and we had a great time we met up we began to read through Mark's gospel together and it was really encouraging to see them coming to to really understand the promises that they were going to be making in baptism and what it means what jesus, who jesus is and what it means to be a christian and uh usually the wife uh she was really keen about the baptism and the husband and it's always interesting with these some of these husbands you can tell they've been dragged along <laughs> uh it's interesting it was the husband who said i don't know what you'd call it but he said for me when i go hiking in nature i'd call it a spiritual experience i'd call it a spiritual experience now the question I want to ask you this morning is, what is a spiritual experience? Where do you meet God? What is the experience? Well, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Now, make sure you've got your Bible open uh, or at least your sermon outline. I do encourage you to bring your Bible every week and a pen. You're going to need a pen. I put some pens at the back. Uh, if you forget to bring a pen, uh, you'll need it because what I find is if I'm going to get you to underline things or write things down, if you write it down, you remember it, right? That's what I do. If I don't write things down, tend to forget maybe i'm getting old or something like that i tend to forget but maybe you've got a super elephant memory you don't need to write it down but if you're like me underline things write it down because i think there's some great things that god is going to show us today about true spirituality see um, if you've got your bible there uh, or if you've got the sermon outline there i want you to notice what it says in philippians chapter 2 verse 13 philippians 2 verse 13 says and you can underline this for it is god For it is God who works in you. For it is God who works in you. The clear aim of the Bible is that God is at work in Christians. Is this the spiritual inward journey of the mystic? Is this the pathway to eternity? Uh, Well, the first thing I want you to note is that Christianity is not morality. It's not rules. And regulations lots of Australians think it is lots of people think and lots of people think that Jesus Christianity is all about following the rules getting your kid baptized getting confirmed going to church following all the rules most Australians think of Christianity as religious observances Easter Christmas all of those kind of things and Philippians 2 verse 13 makes it quite clear it's not external it's not legal it's not rules and regulations philippians 2 verse 13 it is god who is at work in you now you have to remember the old testament was all about the external wasn't it the old testament law carved by the finger of god was carved onto those tablets of stone and in the old testament the prophets foretold the new age coming Jeremiah's prophecy, for example, in Jeremiah 31. Now, I know if, if you've forgotten your Bibles, I have put it on the screen today, but it is helpful to have it. Jeremiah 31, it should be underlined in your Bible. If you've got a Bible, underline it. Jeremiah 31, The time, verse 31, The time is coming, declares the Lord. When I, it should be on the screen, thanks. Uh, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. When they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, and I just lost my my spot there. Uh, it, w- it will not be like a, when, I, when I when I when I took them out of the hand, lead them out of Egypt, because I they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time declares the Lord I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts I will be their God and they will be my people You see the new law that is coming it's not it's not new it's not the new it's the old law but it's now written in a different place It's not written on the tablets of stone it's written on the hearts of people that is the character of the New Age, of the New Covenant, of the Age of the Spirit, of the New Testament, that God will put His law in the hearts and in the minds. He'll write it on the hearts of Christians. Now, you remember, it comes fast with the New Testament. When John comes and meets the preeminent uh, scholar in Israel, the religious scholar Nicodemus, he says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless is born again unless he's born of the spirit the language may be slightly different but the idea is the same the new age the kingdom of God the new covenant and the new testament is spiritually dynamic God is at work in the hearts of his people in the new age it's different to the old specifically at the point of spirituality they're actually going to be moved and motivated by God's spirit in this new age You see, the Bible, this is why I love you to bring it, it's not a dead letter. It's not a book that just sits on the shelf. This is the living, active word of God himself to us. And when it's read, we stop and we think about it and we hear what God is speaking to us today. And God is at work in those who believe And he is transforming their hearts and minds as God's word comes into your hearts, into your life. It is transforming. It is powerful. It will change you. It is the powerful word of God. And that is the gospel, friends. And so Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 teach us about true spirituality, that God is at work in you. I want to show you that this is true have a look at verses 12 and 13 let's read it therefore my dear friends as you've always obeyed not only in my presence but now also in my absence continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is god who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose brothers and sisters this is what god is doing in and among In verse 13, he's explaining verse 12. Do you see what verse 12 says? Because verse 13 says, because God is at work in you. What's verse 12? Verse 12 is a command. The command verse 12 is to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue. Important to get that right. This is what they were already doing. He's commending them. He's not having a go at them. He's not telling them they need to change. It's not something new. He's not saying, now in the past I told you to do this. Now here's the new commandment you ought to do. No, this is what you're already doing. Continue in this, verse 12. And it's linked to the rest of everything that we've been seeing in chapters 1 and 2. This is kind of the link verse that brings it all together, the summary verse that brings together everything that's kind of come before, the summary application. Because, of course, this section began, and we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now, In chapter 1 verse 27 1 verse 27 the key verse whatever happens whatever happens conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of christ then whether i come and see you or only hear about you in my absence i'll know that you stand firm in the one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. That's the key verse that should be ringing our ears as we read through Philippians. See, remember how in verse 27 of chapter 1 he's talking about whether I'm present or absent. Remember in the context, he's in prison, he's on trial. It's quite likely he will die. And he says, you remember famously, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Whatever happens, whether he's able to be released and come to them or whether he goes to be with the Lord, whether he's present or whether he's absent and now in chapter 2 verse 12 notice he's summing up in the same terms not only in my presence but now much more in my absence and here's the conclusion of this section that he started in verse 27 whatever happens he wants the philippian christians who've started so well to continue on they're his gospel partners defending and uh, confirming the gospel they're praying the gospel they're supporting the gospel they're giving to the gospel he wants these Philippian Christians to conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel how we've been seeing that haven't we over these last few weeks there's the internal there's the external threat the external threat that was easy Uh, a few weeks ago Alex shared with us that's the Philippians and Paul because they are proclaiming Christ are facing death they're facing suffering Paul's in prison because he's proclaiming Christ. Doesn't stop the progress of the gospel. God's big plan, God's portrait is still being painted. God's salvation plan is coming together. But there's external, external factors, external threats here. And then there's the internal. We began to say this last week, didn't we? The threats of division, of disunity. And Paul says. To this model church you've got to stand firm as one you've got to be united one spirit as you fight for the truth of the gospel together that is gospel partnership and he goes on here in chapter two and we saw this last week that the way you do that is humility humility like jesus humility that will stop christians from division humility that will keep christians united that's what you need to continue on and to keep doing this and that takes work brothers and sisters we need to work at this together see what he says by the command in chapter 2 verse 12 is to work out your salvation now be very clear here he's not saying work for your salvation He's not saying work for your salvation. Chapter 2, verse 12 is saying work out your salvation. And there's a world of difference. And you'll only get that if you get the gospel. See, if, if you're saying do things and you'll get saved, if you work for your salvation and God will save you, that's completely different to being saved and therefore doing. So I want to show you six reasons why it doesn't mean work for your salvation, very quickly. Six reasons. Firstly, if you've already been saved, if you, sorry, if you haven't been saved yet, friends, the first reason is you're frankly too sinful to work out your salvation. <laughs> if you haven't already been saved, you can't save yourself by good works, and you won't want to save yourself by good works. And you say, "Well, hang on a sec, Matt. Who are you to say that to me? I, if I tried really hard, I could do enough good works, and I'd be okay." I'm going to say no. Sorry. Uh, Well, go right ahead, do your best. I mean, maybe if you're young, maybe, you know, Tommy or Lockie's age or something like that, you've got a long time ahead of you to kind of catch up on good works to make up for all the bad stuff, all the rotten things you've already done. All those things that are already sufficient to condemn you by God. So how on earth are you going to work for your salvation? Particularly if you're moving on in life. You say, well, look, I can do it. I can do enough good things to compensate for the bad things I've done in the past. It really, you know, I'm not sure that we're gonna get there, friends. My friends, if you do all that you can possibly do, you're actually only doing what you should have done in the first place. If you did every possible good work you could ever, you're actually only doing what God has called you to do anyway, haven't you? How could you possibly do more good works than God wants you to do to make up for the bad ones when God calls you and I to be perfect I mean what extra good works are there that you could possibly do you can't do more good works that God wants you to do you can't work for your salvation Point, one. point two. Jesus see why did God send Jesus into the world if you could save yourself if you could work for your salvation why on earth did he have to send Jesus Why did he have to come and why did he have to die on a cross? If you could save yourself by your own good works, then dying on the cross for your sins is a complete waste of effort. On the night before he dies, Jesus is there in the Garden of Gethsemane, absolutely sweating blood, knowing that he's going to the cross. And he's saying, Lord, take... Father, take this cup from me. Let this hour pass from me. I don't want to die. I don't want to pay the penalty for sin. I don't want to be crucified. If there's any other way, he says, Jesus, with tears, in agony, if there's any other way, well, you know, if there was another way, if you could just do it by being good, (laughs) we can't. We cannot work for our salvation. If there was any way we could save ourselves, then Jesus would need to die on the cross. Point two three paul paul doesn't say work for it he says work out your salvation so he says if you're saved this is about the implications of being saved now i know some of you like to play golf if you're a golfer paul is saying go and play golf go to the putting green practice that get out practice your swing if you're a golfer Go and play golf. Go and play the game. Don't go out riding horses. Don't go swimming, you golfers. If you're a golfer, go and play golf. Work at it. If you're a Christian, go play Christian. Work out what it is that you are because the challenge is, particularly as we live here on the comfortable North Shore with many wonderful golf courses, is to go back to yourself. Go back to what's easy and comfortable. And not continue on in Jesus to live a life worthy of the gospel. That's the logic in the first half of this chapter two. Remember that this section in chapter two verses, you know, right back at the beginning, there was those four ifs, if there's any encouragement with being united in Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship with His spirit, if any tenderness and compassion that's the gospel, of course. if you've got anything from the gospel, then complete my joy four ways by being like-minded. By being the same love of one spirit one purpose that's what we've been learning all the way through haven't we that friends is what it is to work out your salvation that's what he's saying so in verses 12 and 13 he's summarizing he's concluding he's driving home the point he's applying what he's been saying right since chapter 1 verse 27 right through chapter 2 verse 11 that is if you if you know what it's like to be united to christ Be forgiven by him if you've got that comfort that reassurance if you've got that love if you've got holy god's holy spirit in you and you know the tender mercy of god if you've been forgiven then put that into operation live a life worthy of the gospel work out your salvation with the humility of christ that's what he's calling us to the service, it's the sacrifice that's coming from the Philippians, isn't it? Better get the right page. He goes on to give us some examples. He goes on to give us the examples of Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy and Epaphroditus are models of Of other person centeredness and humility and we don't have time this morning to go into their example but I do want to encourage you this morning that Christianity is not a new-age spirituality Christianity is not a journey towards to discover and to find and to learn more about yourselves to create your own spirituality it's not even to go for a lovely walk in nature as beautiful that is that is not Christian spirituality What it's about is god at work in you because god is at work in the philippians god is at work in us who are here who are christian to work out our salvation god is at work in us is true spirituality that is the changed lifestyle the changed heart the will the changed way of living the humility the unity to be like christ to follow the models of paul and timothy and epaphroditus those six examples you see true spirituality in this way it's god's spirit writing god's law in our hearts moving us to obey it to live lives worthy and i want to say to you if you're a christian here this morning he's working in your life as you open up god's word as you hear god's word today he's changing your desires he's moving your heart to be obedient To the word of god just as obedient jesus was obedient to death even death on a cross because his word is inside you his word is making you a different person in your desires and your intentions he's changing your mind he's changing your will so that it wills what god wills not what you will what god wills that j-o-y jesus first others second yourself last isn't it that's like jesus in the garden of gethsemane In chapter 2, verse 13, he says, "If this is what it's going to be in your life. This is what it's going to look like. Verse 14, you see what he says? Go and do things then without complaining, without arguing, without disputing among one another because arguing and complaining, disputing, they come from the self and self-interest which says I'm not getting my way here. They're not (laughs) singing my kind of music. They're not doing my kind of things the way I want them done. But we've got to be different to the the world, brothers and sisters got to be like christ we live verse 14 and 15 it says in a crooked and depraved generation and so god is calling us christians to shine like stars in the darkness of a world that will clearly be seen as different to the backdrop in our community see the world is all about politics it's about arguments It's about fights it's about quarrels everybody's supposed to be doing everything for the good of Australia. But everyone's actually doing it for the good of themselves, their own power, their own career, their own pensions, their own property price, whatever it might be. And they fight and they quarrel. But those who fear and tremble before God, those who are in Christ Jesus, those who know God is working in us, those who know that God is working to change us, to change our will from self-service to other person-centeredness, to change our actions as we participate as gospel partners with one another, with Paul, with Christ, with God. And so I want to pray a prayer to finish up today. And this is a prayer that you can become a Christian today. Maybe there is someone here who has realised they've been running away from God and they want to give their life to Christ. I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you are already a Christian, I want to say this is how we still continue to pray, isn't it? This is how we still continue on in the gospel let's pray dear god i know that i am not worthy to be accepted by you i don't deserve your gift of eternal life i'm guilty of rebelling against you and ignoring you and i need your forgiveness more than anything else in my life thank you for sending your son jesus christ to die for me that i might be forgiven thank you that he rose from the dead to give me new life So please forgive me and change me that I might live with Jesus as my ruler and my saviour and Lord this day and every day for eternity. Amen. Friends, I just want to say if that's your prayer, if that's the first time you've ever truly prayed that in your life, that is wonderful. And I want to assure you of something, that God will forgive you. I want to assure you that God has heard your prayer, that he will forgive you, because god sent his son to die for you not because of what you've done he sent his son he didn't spare his own son he's not going to turn his ear against that prayer that you've just prayed to him and if you pray to god for forgiveness in the name of the lord jesus christ i want to tell you today you will be forgiven you mightn't feel different at the moment it might not feel like a spiritual experience but god is at work in you And in all of us who've prayed that we might be forgiven and praying that over and over and over again for God to continue to work um, that great truth in our lives so that we might live lives worthy of the gospel. Amen. Let's stand. Let's respond to that encouraging word that we don't work out our salvation, or work for our salvation, sorry.